Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the British Wrestling Experience right here on Post Wrestling. I'm Richard Benson, you can call me Benno, and with me here is uh, Jim Flowerhand. Damn it, I got your name wrong. You can call him Jamesy. I had that plan the entire time, Jamesy, and I messed it up. Flowerhand, is that how you pronounce it? Flowerhand, yeah, yeah. It's it's a reasonably common name in Ireland. Um, <laughs> if you ask ask your ask your good friend JP about Flavin's porridge he'll tell you, I, I guarantee you he'll know about that oh. there uh, it's it's like the, the the most popular brand of like porridge outlets in Ireland <laughs> is Flavin's oh. it's quite a big deal but it's um, so that's basically when people can't spell my surname I just tell them it's just like the porridge and everybody goes ah okay that Flavin yeah <laughs> but yeah for, for, the, for, for the sake of peace I just go with Jamesy for the most part it's pretty much easier makes sense so yeah we got Flavin's porridge and we got Benson's for beds what a team up we make Jamesy it works <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. obviously people will uh, notice Martin's not here obviously after after last time both me and you are otherwise engaged so thanks to Will Cooling and, uh, and JP as I just mentioned for filling in uh, Martin's away in the Basque country uh, hiding from the UK as it gets taken over by Brexiters I reckon so <laughs> it's the inmates running the asylum here Jamesy so uh, my main question to you is which year in review of Ring of Honor are we doing for the next hour and a half uh, sod this Brit resident or a rest of <laughs> We go back to go back to 06, go back to those <laughs> Dragon Gate six mans and all that. <laughs> They're the classic years, I reckon. Uh, I reckon 04 to ah. 06. Joe would do the uh, the Grapple Spotlight podcast where he probably, I think he'd include 07 in that as well. 07 was kind of when I dropped off, but 04 to 06 is definitely where my uh, my big fandom came. Oh, big time. I, I still don't know if I have I've have been into a promotion as much as ROH mm. back then. I, I still don't think I've ever been that much into it i think it's probably partially how good it was partially the age i was like that when i hear going back 15 years god i was in my early 20s young and foolish <laughs> battling the battling with our army of roh bots on the internet oh, yes. good times good times that, that roh message board bad things happen I'd, I'd be if anyone ever goes into archive.org and pulls my old posts from there it'll be a yeah, it'd be quite the shock to me. Otherwise, obviously, stale in reputation, obviously. Uh, if anyone's got bad things to say about <laughs> hardcore progress fans and the like, just look at me being a ringer on a final of two thousand. That'll be the day. That'll be the day Benno gets cancelled. That'll be your cancellation. Oh, it's coming anytime. Don't get us started on the bus, Jamesy. <laughs> no, no, no. Christmas. The Christmas special, Benno. We'll tell the story. Yeah, we'll tell the get full the story. Get the list. Do the slow build up to it. <laughs> we'll talk about how we met. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, on all also on kind of non-Brit res matters and non-Euro res matters. Uh, obviously, the big story today that's broken, and you can't help but we can't do a wrestling podcast, Jamesy, and not at least mention it as uh, the John Moxley podcast uh, appeared on Talk as Jericho, kind of the uh, the talk of the wrestling world today, and it does uh, link to to our main European wrestling story that we're going to go into in a minute. But yeah, we've we've got to talk it. He basically confirmed everything. I think we all suspected the most WWE there. Booking of him, Vince McMahon's attitude to creative. It was uh, illuminating in so many ways about that company, wasn't it? Oh, it was incredible. Like it's In a way, it's it, this is a bad day for us to be releasing a podcast because that thing has just set the internet alight, you know? Mm. Um yeah, like I, I, I've kind of been buzzing since I listened to it. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I've been, I've been slow to jump aboard the AEW bandwagon. You know, I, I, I've had reservations all along. 
I've learned to be cautious in wrestling because we've had so many false dawns of companies we thought might compete and companies we thought might be a, a viable alternative to WWE only to have our hopes dashed by incompetence and the wrong people running it and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I can't help but feel optimistic when you hear John Moxley talk today, you know, uh, mm. and as you said, like the, the things that will make the headlines are the things we knew anyway, you know, mm. the things about Vince McMahon. I mean, we, we knew he was crazy. We knew he was eccentric. <laughs> we knew he was a completely unreasonable man. We knew the creative process that they have is completely stale. Mm. It doesn't make any sense. They hire writers who have no background in wrestling, but but to hear somebody who, who, who's been in the midst of a talk so openly and talk so frankly about it, it's still fairly jaw-dropping. And I, I was riveted. I was listening to that podcast on my lunch break today and I was I was watching the clock <laughs> hoping that I would get to the end of it before I had to go back to work. You know, it was just incredible stuff, you know. Um, and, you know, the, the reason I'm hopeful is, you know, obviously the headline making stuff is the WWE stuff. But to my mind, the, the passion, like when he finishes talking about the past, and he talks about the future. There's a, you can hear the excitement in his voice. Mm. You know what I mean? You can hear that he has his passion for wrestling back. Mm. Um, and you know where else I heard it as well? I, we'll get to the show in a little bit, but um, JR, of all people, you know, however long he's been in the business, we all dreaded what JR might be like on commentary for AEW. Mm. But when Moxley came out on Saturday night, you could hear something in his voice there was an excitement there was the old jr it was it was like he was commentating from the heart you know what i mean it was he was calling it like it was rocking austin again and when you hear that passion from people in the business it's hard not to be optimistic and it's hard not to be excited yeah that's it i think that and that that's like even like you said the most jaded people about AEW are kind of coming out of that pay-per-view weekend and coming out of today especially listening to that moxley interview you know with with you know that kind of excitement that jr talked in and yeah i did i agree with you there i thought uh that, that kind of emotional moment is perfect what you want jr for i did think excalibur kind of carried the heavy loads of the commentary at the weekend but i thought it was the oh, best, yeah. best i've heard of jr and yeah that big moment was the was the big part of it and yeah it just it confirmed everything we all expected with moxley going to aw but it happened and then yeah he went on this podcast and confirmed everything we all kind of thought he might be thinking backstage as he's squirting tomato and ketchup on people in segments and having to oh, run down you yeah. know his friend with leukemia and in, in promos he oh, obviously yeah. you know thinks the same things that a lot of all, all of us think and one thing i noticed on the podcast was he was talking about you know watching wrestling again you know getting excited he was talking about sitting down yeah he name checked big japan he name checked impact of all places even czw didn't mention any european promotions though yeah. uh, i don't know should we read no, anything into no. that or could you see a surprise coming he's obviously <laughs> started taking bookings so you know uh, it would seem likely that, that, that we could see him out here tony khan has outright said he's open for uh for international bookings obviously that led to him doing new japan um could you see him out here and and where could you see him really because it's hard to kind of at least in england it's hard to see a fit uh, for me i think maybe ireland or germany might be more likely yeah well i mean he has history in germany he's been to wxw before um he'd be a hell of a name for a carrot weekend you know mm. if, you, if you were doing a carrot weekend and you had his name at the top of the card but then again if they have a relationship with wwe 
would that be something that they would, you know, sure. how much control do, do WXW have now over their bookings, you know, and if WWE get wind of them booking an AEW guy and an AEW guy who's gone on a podcast and buried the buried the, the boss of the company, is that going <laughs> to go down well? That's where it gets complicated. Mm. Maybe RevPro. I mean, we know that Tony Khan has at least an interest in RevPro. He's been there as a fan, possibly more than just an interest. Um, you could see him on a, on a big ER call show as a one-off or something like that, you know? Um, and especially if he's going to be in New Japan, you know, you can set things up there. Maybe a match with Zach would set out a ER call pretty easily, I'd say. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't rule it out, you know? And it's, it's um, it, it does seem that he has a little bit of freedom. And I think, you know, he said himself, and, and I do believe him, he said himself that money is not his motivating factor. It's it's mm. it's kind of creative fulfillment he wants now, you know what I mean? And I can't see him signing a contract that restricted him mm. to doing what he was told ever again after what he, you know, the oh, things yeah. he talked about he went through in WWE, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I, I can't see him. And I mean, he, he, he comes across to me, like one of the things that really impressed me was he, he comes across to me as an incredibly smart man, mm. you know, um, like how many, you look at what the way Pac handled his disillusionment with WWE, he, he asked them for release. And I think that's the wrong thing to do. The minute you do that, the minute they get wind of that, they'll do everything they can to keep you under their mm. under contract, delay you, hold your injuries against you, that kind of thing. He boxed incredibly clever, didn't he? Like he yeah. he he knew he had his date in mind. He kept his head down. <laughs> he shouldn't have he went along it. with their terrible booking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he was just he just uh, he just I just I really respect him an awful lot more after that for, mm. for everything for the way he handled himself and also the way he handled himself in the. Interview. Like this wasn't like you listen to shoot interviews sometimes and number one, you think you're being worked. Mm. There's always, you know, every time you hear a wrestler talk at the back of my mind is, are we being worked here? You know, are they telling us things to benefit themselves? Or are they telling us the truth? I didn't get anything from that interview like that. Mm. Number two, he didn't come across like a, an angry, bitter ex-employee. He came across as a guy who was just relieved, happy to be gone. Like everything he said was calm and measured. He, he like the minute the podcast started, he, he just oh. <laughs> Jericho may as well not have been there. It, it was mm. it was almost like it was it was the the, the Dean Ambrose uh, <laughs> podcast. You know, he, he he completely commandeered the whole thing, but in a very calm, very measured manner. There was no um, hyperbole in anything he said. He wasn't being dramatic. He wasn't, as I said, he didn't seem like a disgruntled ex-employee. He seemed like a guy who had been through a very difficult experience mm. in a very difficult place to work and was glad to be free and was looking to the future. And was just, it was like this was a cathartic thing for him where he wanted to get it off his chest and move on. And I don't feel like he's going to be regurgitating this interview over and over. And mm. I don't feel like he's going to be doing shoot interviews, you know, bringing this stuff up again. I feel like that's it. He got it off his chest for his own mental health and well-being more than anything. And he just wants to move on and look to the future now, you know, and all of that is very impressive in a business that is full of exaggeration and is full of people doing things for their own interests, mm. you know, trying to work people. I didn't get anything from that. I just thought it was extremely genuine. And as I said, just a guy who kind of needed to do it. Yeah, that's how he came across to me as well. He came across, I think the, the closest comparison to that podcast today is obviously the CM Punk leaving WWE podcast. Yeah. But like you mentioned, obviously CM Punk was in a different position. CM Punk was, well, at the time, outright done with wrestling. I guess we'll see this year, but there was definitely a more mm -hmm. maybe bitter tone to the CM Punk one, whereas 
like you say, with uh, and I, I love that podcast. And CM Punk said the whole other home truths where, like you say, with Moxley, there's definitely more of a it seemed with him an excitement, and it seems like anything he's going to do now outside of that system. It's going to be about, you know, what makes him happy, uh, as he said a few times. Yeah. It's not about the money. It's going to be about things he's excited to do. Uh, I suppose that kind of, yeah, kind of informs my question about him coming over to Europe. Uh, I could see him in a RevPro, but, you know, politically. But I wonder, you know, what what's in RevPro that would excite a Moxley? What have they got there that he could go there to work? I imagine, you know, maybe he's seen european crowds in general over the last couple of years and he just liked to be in front of a british crowd or an irish crowd or a german crowd but then again i wouldn't have pictured him going to going to new japan and jumping into a program with juice robinson over the u.s title so you know obviously that's uh that's something he wants going back to their fcw days so it's really going to depend on what the the man himself wants to do but yeah i think we're going to be seeing uh, plenty of him at least over the summer until uh absolutely gets running yeah. properly and uh, it'll definitely be definitely be exciting whichever promotion you know within europe uh, gets him first that is yeah we should probably talk as well i mean linked to that the kind of the main story we're going to talk about today before we get to a couple of reviews we're going to be talking about uh, the last couple of weeks of nxt uk tv today we're going to be talking a little bit of wxw as well as some other news notes too but before we get into that i think linked to the you know the moxley stuff that's happened today we should talk about the the british involvement at, at double or nothing you know this uh it gets kind of been lost now in the in the news cycle but you know all or nothing double or nothing week kind of started with wrestlegate of all people being in the the center of all the news headlines i mean it does seem an age ago now as it was happening again in the in the run-up to double or nothing you mentioned pack before and him leaving wwe and you know listeners to this show and brit brit res and european wrestling fans in general will be very aware of uh, some of the issues that uh, we, we've had uh, especially on these shows with uh, with pack and and booking and obviously it re- it seemed to rear its head again if you believe the stories uh he didn't uh, obviously didn't do the double or nothing show uh the the story reported by dave Meltzer being that he was possibly uh gonna go over hangman page on the show but he was gonna be unable to lose to kenny omega due to his status as a dragon gates champion uh there has been some rumor that there's maybe a visa issue uh mixed up in there as well but the benefactors of that turned out to be at least in the the run-up to to double and often to be wrestlegate who did find themselves with a with a pack booking and they did find themselves with a allegedly uh robbie x having an injury and jody fleisch having travel issues who was supposed to be in a in a three-way dance with pack and uh on two days notice uh, according to being the elite uh, hangman page flew over uh to the uk and they and they did their advertised match from double or nothing on uk shores i mean what did you make of the match and uh what do you think of uh you know, WrestleGate is a promotion that don't get many headlines. Uh, definitely uh, interesting for them to be the centre of at least last week's big wrestling story. Yeah, like, and, and there is nothing really to indicate that that there is a, a relationship as such between mm. WrestleGate and AEW. Now, now, that may come out in future that there is, and I'm sure it, it does them no harm to have put this match on. But I, I kind it, it kind of feels like it just happened to be them that were putting a, a pack match on. Mm. And... I would think AEW just got in touch and said, 
how would you feel about Adam Page being on your card? And I mean, what promoter isn't is you know, especially a new company that that's trying to get as much buzz around them as possible. Of course, you're going to take that match. You know, like I was looking at the YouTube video of it last night, mm. and it's got um, over five hundred thousand views on YouTube at this stage. Wow. For WrestleGate, that, that can't be a bad thing. You know, mm. I mean, um, I'm not sure how many views they get in general on their matches, but that's got to be ten or twenty times, if not many times more than what they'd usually get. Um, and in fairness to them, the venue looked good. There was a good crowd there, a pretty loud crowd. Um, so from that point of view, you know, WrestleGate did come off pretty well in the, in the whole thing. Um, the match itself, oh, it was fine. It was it was it was the it was the same old UK pack fifteen minute match. It really um, was. Which I'm kind of getting tired of at this stage. You know, mm. um, he's he's. Definitely, like you talk, you talk about creative freedom and that kind of thing. It's very hard to have good matches and to get people engaged in your matches when everybody knows you're not going to win. Mm. So you're either going to have Pack winning the match, or you're going to have a screwy finish. Um, he works a methodical style. You know, he has got that fourth and fifth gear there. You know, you, when he he's a different beast than Dragon Gate. Like I've watched a lot of his big Dragon Gate matches, <sighs> and he definitely works harder. And I would say works differently in Dragon Gate. He's really giving it a hundred percent. You know, he's. I think in that promotion, you kind of have to be wrestling at top pace a lot more than you do in the UK. <sighs> to me, he phones it in in the UK. Um, he leans into his shtick. He leans into his gimmick an awful lot, and at the I don't get very excited about pack matches anymore. No, no, me neither. And I think it's that it's the booking, it's the difference in you know comparing to Moxley. You know, Pack comes out on the indie scene, and we were all very excited. And you know, I, I think I think maybe you're more jaded if you're a fan over here uh, because you're seeing you know if you're regularly watching Rev Pro and like you say you see you're seeing the fuck finishes, you're seeing you know that 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 Osprey Pack match was a fantastic half an hour of wrestling mm. but none of us were talking about it where we were all talking about the finish and you can't help but talk about the finish in that case and i do think yeah in a in a lot of ways pack has sullied this brand and yeah i did think like as a match it was fine i think seeing it obviously after the news had already broken uh you know obviously the fans who were there live who weren't expecting it you know the news hadn't quite uh broke yet absolutely lost their minds when Hangman page came out uh yeah, yeah. And were hot for the majority of the match but yeah watching it back on on youtube a few days later when uh, aw put it on their own youtube didn't they when they put it up there it was just that it yeah, was your yeah. solid unspectacular pack match with you with your standard fuck finish and yeah i think it's I think AEW should be, you know, criticised, and they have been in a lot of circles, including by me, for realising so late. I mean, Tony Khan goes to Rev Pro shows. Like, he's been seen there in the yeah. crowd. He's been there when Pac's been there. He's seen these finishes happening. So that's why maybe the conspiracy theorist in me maybe believes the, the visa story in some ways, because did AEW really leave it this late to, to work out what was uh, what they had in their hands with, with Pac? Um, that yeah, lost me a little I, bit. In the match, I, I like fully believe the visa thing. Mm. Do you think that's the that's the case? Yeah. Then it's when you think about the different possibilities, none of them are that satisfactory. Like, are, are AEW really that shoddy in their preparation that they're only talking about finishes to matches the week before their massive show? Mm. I, I don't buy that. I really don't. As you said, Tony Kantz has has seen the man wrestle live. He's been with him at shows. Mm. He knows the story. They know. Mm that he can't 
or won't or whatever it is be pinned and that's a fact um you have to kind of look at like we'll never know for sure i suppose because we're only hearing what the elite and what the owners of AEW want us to know and what mm. PAC wants us to know. Um, so we can only kind of look at the facts and the facts of the matter are PAC has not wrestled in the United States of America since he finished with WWE. Um, he was pulled from WrestleCon weekend. I think either, uh, I, I saw today, I, I don't know how long the news is out there, but he's been pulled from that um, that next show that AEW were doing where he was meant to be in a six-man mm. tag match. I think him and the Bucks or him and the Lucha Brothers. I can't remember what, what it was, but he was in a big match on that show and he's been pulled from that mm. um, and he hasn't wrestled in America. And somebody today made the point to me that uh, to get a visa to work in America, you need a referral from a former employer. Hmm. And who's his former employer? <laughs> WWE. And he is not on good terms with WWE. So maybe that's the issue. I don't know. But um, I, I, but Meltzer, Meltzer has apparently today on, on his message board, Meltzer has doubled down again and said it's not a visa issue. Hmm. So for some, I think it is a visa issue. And for some reason, AEW don't want it out there that he has visa issues for whatever reason. But I don't understand why they would, why, why they would not want that out there. Because hmm. when somebody misses a show from visa issues most fans will actually be very understanding mm. like when he was pulled from wrestlecon i didn't hear anybody angry or upset they were quite sympathetic to everybody involved i think if AEW came out and said pat can't wrestle on the show because he can't get a visa people will be disappointed but they wouldn't be angry mm. so as i said none of it makes 100 percent sense and it's very hard to piece together exactly what's going on yeah it's really difficult because as you say, I'm starting to lean more into, the, into that conspiracy theory. I mean, like you say, Meltzer is doubling down. The Observer will be out tomorrow morning, and I'm sure he'll double down again. But at the same time, you've got Nick Jackson yeah. in, in Q&As uh, over Double or Nothing's weekend at StarCast saying there's, there is more to the story with Pac. It's not just quite what's been reported. Uh, yeah, it's hard to call. I mean, I think for me, what you've said there about, you know, that the former employer does shed some light because I was kind of looking at Double or Nothing and thinking, well, there's Japanese talent on there. They all appeared fine, despite rumour that they wouldn't. There's British talent there, yeah. Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc, and they appeared fine. You know, I'd, I'd wonder who'd be able to sponsor either of them. Maybe it's ITV sponsoring Kip Sabian uh, is a former employer, but Havoc certainly getting a visa is interesting. <laughs> but there might be more to it. Might, there just might be something to do with Park and, again, a circumstance, either it being ex-WWE or, or impersonally, that, that maybe is the true story here. But, yeah, I think yeah. if it yeah. was an, an attempt to kind of... I don't know, change the narrative, uh, maybe even put some heat on Park. I think it's it's put some heat on Pac, but I don't think it's the right heat, and I think it's the same <laughs> heat that yeah. the likes of us have had with Pac with all his Rev Pro performances, despite how, how good we know he is. I feel like he must be in their plans in the future because you don't send Adam Page all the way to England to do a match with him. No without there being something in the future. Mm. And then the, they did a post-match angle where he injured Paige's leg. So, and, you know, I mean, obviously you could say that that was to, you know, stack the odds against Paige and winning that the, the double or nothing rumble maybe or something like that. I don't mm. know, but it, it doesn't, I don't believe Pac is done with them. I, I, I don't feel like anything they've done so far is the act of a company that won't work with them anymore. I feel like at some point in the future, he'll be working for AEW. Yeah, definitely me too. I think whichever story you believe, whether it's Visa or whether it is the you know the creative Dragon Gate issue, at some point he's going to lose that. He's going to lose the belt, and at some point you'd imagine they get Visa issue sourced if they exist. So yeah, definitely agree. They're all still talking him up. They obviously go back a long way, packing the the young book. So I still think we yeah. will uh, see him there. But some uh, Europeans that did make the show, as I mentioned before, Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc, were both on the on the pre-show, uh, most notably. Uh, 
havoc in that god awful casino royale battle royal um <laughs> that was bad uh the casino battle royale uh, at least he got to be on there he got to be on the, ac- the actual pay-per-view as well and obviously sabian got to have a, a solid pre-show match with, with sammy guevara uh, did you make much of uh either of their placements uh, on the show or just their their kind of appearances in general I think for I think from their point of view in terms of how they're perceived by people in the company, it, it's good news for them. Mm. I think for, you know, how many one-on-one matches were there actually on that show mm. and Kip Sabian got to have one of them, you know. So from that point of view... On ITV4 as well? On ITV4, I think I think that was, that's definitely part of their thinking behind it was to, to put a British wrestler on the pre-show where it was going to be on British terrestrial TV. Mm. Um, as you said, it was, it was a fine match. I think I probably, I think I was three stars on it. It was, mm. it was a good match. Um, Havoc again was in the rumble. The rumble itself was just a mess in general. Oh. And I mean, his, his big spot was, was one with, wasn't it with Joe Janela where he stapled uh, oh, the cigarette, yeah. a lit cigarette to Janela's head mm. and the cameras missed it. <laughs> 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 his, his big, his big moment. And they didn't even see it properly, you know, um, but, but the, again, what bodes well for Havoc is that he was involved in the segment with Paige and MJF. Like yeah. I, I feel like MJF is already a top guy in the company. He's probably, the number two heel in the whole company behind Jericho and when he was being run off by the baby faces Havoc was one of the baby faces that came out um, and I think that's that's good news for Havoc they obviously have plans for him they obviously see him as a star mm. um, it's the right time for Havoc to leave Britain I think I mean he has way 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 outstayed his sell by date in terms of nobody's interested in Jimmy Havoc anymore. You know, I think he's done everything he could possibly do in every promotion he could possibly work in twice over at this stage. Um, And it was time for him to go somewhere fresh. I think American fans probably see him as a way bigger deal than we do at this point because Mm. he's fresh. When you when you see his ring entrance, it's it's quite impressive, you know, uh, the, the 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 mask and the cloak. Um, when you're not used to seeing him shuffling around <laughs> at, at intermission with a beer in his hand and after the shows and that kind of thing, um, he I think like he's lost his aura in the UK. I think at this stage, but I think he very much still has that aura for US fans. So um, I can see him having a good run over there. Um, and yeah, like, I, do you want to talk about the, the pre-show in general, given that it was the first time wrestling had been on, you know, a big American company had been on UK terrestrial TV in a long time? Um, Definitely. Do you have any thoughts on, on the pre-show in general? Yeah, I think that, like the, it wasn't the best foot forward, was it? I mean, I had, I have friends who are more casual wrestling fans who are, you know, this is wrestling on ITV4 for free at midnight on a Saturday night and they're tuning into it and yep. i think if you're if you're one of us you know me and you james we, we were going to be watching double or nothing no matter what you know it's relatively cheaply priced yep, over absolutely. here we're the type of fan who are watching it either way and yeah that that pre-show i think i think we're especially sensitive to it because we're in the uk and we know what it, i know it's only itv4 it's not itv proper but we knew that was a big deal uh being in the uk and ireland and you look at that and you look at that product that he presented over that hour and it wouldn't make me excited about AEW. i mean you mentioned before no. the battle royal was the most shindy battle royal I've ever seen. It works when it's uh, when it's GCW uh, and you and you know you're doing a doing a gimmick battle royal. You're doing you know you'd, you you've got all your indie stars of, of past in. 
And this was kind of a mix of them trying to do that, trying to do this new concept, not really explaining the rules, having five men come out at a time, kind of the first batch just wandering in from backstage like they'd wandered in off the street. Nobody getting a chance to shine. The commentator's not really informing you who anybody is. I mean, not a not a European wrestling matter, but, you know, Dustin Thomas, no legs, just being currently in the ring, not getting any kind of... He got a little bit of focus, but the camera missed it anyway. Uh, I mean, if that, if you're watching that and you're thinking, oh, I might give this uh, this new TV product, ITV, I've been, I've been uh, boosting up. And, and in first to ITV, they did, they had the preview show, that the uh, the Before the Bell, that, that wound up on YouTube, but they did show that on ITV proper. Fair enough, I think it was midnight yeah. on Friday, but they did show it and they were pushing yeah. it. Uh, they were pushing it during, what was it, horse racing and other sports in the, in the days leading up. And then... That's kind of the, the the product that got presented. Um, again, I'd share your thoughts that I think you know Kip Sabian did a did a, did an admirable job with Sammy Guevara. It was an okay match. If you were going to pick one of the two to be the first thing you see of AEW, I definitely would have picked that over the Battle Royal. But yeah, I think they had a really good opportunity in the hands there being on ITV4, especially you know uh, over here. And yeah, I think that, I think you know. To put it bluntly, they fucked it, and I think the uh, the closing segment yeah. with the uh, the young bucks taking their lap of honor and Cody Rhodes and Brandy and the, and Kenny all being out there, and then ITV cutting them off because they went too <laughs> late before the pay per view. It was yeah. just that said everything really about that. So I mean, it's obviously not going to be the end of the relationship, and it does sound like there's. There's more to the relationship, uh, reading between the lines on things Cody and uh, and, the, and the likes have said uh, in different interviews and even Tony Khan himself. I think there's more life to that relationship, but it certainly wasn't a great start. No, and um, like we, we, we were all, like I, I was genuinely excited on Saturday night, mm. where, where, you know, I, come, coming up to the show and I don't get that excited for big shows anymore. You know, I've seen an awful lot of wrestling over the years. I'm kind of jaded, probably too more cynical than I should be. But I like the, the thought of sitting down and watching a major US company on, on terrestrial TV, it, it kind of felt like a big moment. You know mm. what I mean? And um, I happily paid for the pay-per-view because I feel like it's a little piece of modern wrestling history. Mm. And, you know, the main the main show was a huge success, you know, mm. but it shouldn't be forgotten that that, that hour that aired on, on free TV was not good. Like mm. it was a disaster. All the things you said, that batch, backstage segment with oh, the librarian. The librarian. Oh. oh, like that that was I, I my heart sank when I saw that. And, and all I could think of was bad, bad TNA. And here we go. And I was completely deflated. Now, it, it didn't take long for my spirits to rise again once the main same, show picked same. up and, and everything was better, you know, but that mm. shouldn't be forgotten. Like, I mean, if the purpose of a pre-show is to get people who are casually watching to actually pay for the pay-per-view, if I hadn't paid for the pay-per-view already, I would be have been thinking twice about paying for that pay-per-view after seeing that hour because that would not have enticed people to buy it. And that's that's not good. And, and that needs to be better and it needs to be improved on. Definitely, yeah. And like, I, I don't want to, you know, obviously there's a lot of negativity to talk about with that pre-show. Shouldn't be lost. Incredible main show, but talking about it oh, from, yeah. a, from a European perspective and from a British and Irish perspective, you know, that was that was the AEW that people saw. You know, the majority of people, mm. however many there were, yeah. watching it, and it it wasn't great. Um, but again, you know, some I'm not, you know, Jimmy Havoc. I'm the same as you. 
I've seen enough Jimmy Havoc to last me a lifetime. But if you are a Jimmy Havoc fan, like you said, in being positioned in essentially, you know, the, the title reveal segment should, you know, if you're a fan of his, give you hope for what they're going to be doing with him going forward. And yeah, I guess we'll see what happens with the uh, the ITV4 stuff. Um, like I say, Cody pretty much outright hinting that they're, they're going to end up on. They keep saying ITV. Jericho said ITV as well. I mean, that's a question, is it? If, if this is true. It's got to be ITV4, hasn't it? That's where the, the sports properties seem to wind up with ITV. Uh, it's obviously where this pre-show was. And, you know, I, I could definitely see that that being the case uh, weekly if they are going to be showing it live, that, that uh, ITV4 will be the home rather than maybe the more prestigious uh, ITV1. I, I would say so, yeah. And uh, even to start off, you know, and I mean, if it really takes off, there's always the, the option to move it up. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think... Getting on ITV4 is a huge victory. If they get a TV show on there once a week, that alone is a massive victory for them. Definitely, yeah. And, you know, they keep drafted in the likes of Jack Whitehall, uh, Tony Khan's best mate, apparently. Then, you know, they might make some mainstream <laughs> press and who knows what they could make of it. Right? Um, yeah, like, I don't think, I don't find him being involved a bad thing. I saw a lot of people sneering about it. Like, um, I think he's, he's a mainstream name. He okay. has a certain, certain amount of credibility with people. I, I think... Generally, I think he's well-liked by the British public, to the best mm. of my knowledge. I wouldn't be hugely up on UK celebrities by any means, but I think he's well-liked. I think he's, you know, getting people like that involved can only be a good thing because it's mainstream. You need to get this main, you know, there's a reason WWE courts mainstream publicity the whole time. There's a reason why they have American footballers in their battle royal before WrestleMania and that kind of thing. You know, mm. it, it's to get those those little news items on mainstream TV and that kind of thing. It's to get them on Good Morning Britain and that kind of thing, you know, and it's that's the game you have to play. Definitely. And kind of related to that story as well, I mean, me and you haven't had the, we haven't had the chance to talk about it, you know, WWE moving to, to BT Sports in the UK, that kind of ties in, ties in, doesn't it, to that? Because that's like, you, you see yeah. AEW going one way and uh, WWE going the other. I mean, if anyone missed it, the Daily Telegraph reported uh, that WWE are, are going to be heading to BT Sports. They've had a 30-plus year relationship with uh, with Sky. Uh, there were little blips along the way. Uh, WWE pay-per-views ended up on Channel 4, like some me and you, James. You might remember that from uh, back yeah. in the day. When Chan- yeah. was, it, was it Rumble 2000 that they, uh, they censored May Young's boobs and uh, the, a couple of Dudley's table <laughs> bumps? Uh, it started, I think it started I getting edited and ended up up on like an hour delay didn't it when uh the pay-per-view started there yeah. on channel four i remember jericho winning the universal um remember he became the first time he won the world it was like he beat the rock and austin in the one night mm. that show was on channel four because i remember watching it live when i was a student and i certainly didn't have a sky sports subscription when i was a student <laughs> but i did have channel four and i remember staying up to watch that um so yeah there you go jericho the common denominator in in our <laughs> you know wrestling viewing i suppose there he's still main event and whatever it is 18 years later 19 years later but um yeah i i, I can't say i'm an expert on, on on wrestling business and that kind of thing i suppose from wwe's point of view at the end of the day it's what they're getting from bt sports mm. money wise are they getting more than Sky are giving them or less, I'm not sure. To my mind, and as I said, I only have a very simplistic view of these things. Surely less people have a BT Sports subscription than a Sky Sports subscription. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have figures to hand about that or any knowledge, but just based on my anecdotal knowledge of it and that kind of thing, far more people would be Sky Sports subscribers. Um, and it means that they're in less people's homes in the UK. And at the same time, there's a wrestling company coming along who are 
hopefully going to have a TV product that's pretty much in every home. And that's that's a bit of an imbalance. You know what I mean? And that can't be sitting well with them, surely. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. I mean, for anyone who's outside of kind of uh, our bubble or, you know, US or, or Canadian listeners, it is. It's a step down. You know, BT, BT Sport is a... It's, you know, it's not like a completely unregarded channel. It's the home of UFC over here. It's, you know, they do have some Premier League games, but less than ever. Mm, and Champions League, year. yeah. Champions League too, it is the home of Champions League. So, you know, there are, again, they, they are, you know, not not as big as Sky Sports, but, you know, they, they do well enough. But I don't think, yeah, for me, it's not a huge surprise. I think... It's kind of been a long time coming. I think there was a lot of talk, you know, I'm I'm a bore and I'll listen to those uh, investor calls uh, that, that, you know, the WWE do oh, yeah. quarterly and, you know, you'll hear shareholders and, and, and the like and, and their representatives asking about big TV rights increases coming in the UK and I really don't think this is that. I think anyone who's expecting that maybe... You know, there is a there has been a shift in the landscape. Obviously, BT and Sky have feuded for for a very long time uh, over the likes of Premier League rights. I know there was a court case uh, last year. Will Cooling went in depth on that, uh, especially on his uh, on his Torch podcast that people should definitely give a listen to. And he was kind of talking about the fact that yeah, that you know, since that court case, uh, you know, things have been settled. BT were having trouble uh, convincing Sky to give them their channels. That's now all been put to bed. I think both channels reached a, a limit on the Premier League bidding. You know, it came there came a point where there's only so much you can charge your subscribers and make it worth your while to be spending all this yeah. money on on Premier League rights. So BT and Sky aren't, aren't fighting so hard. So Premier League rights fees are down. Other sports are down. Uh, I think... Yeah, if if anyone was expecting a an increase this this time, right? especially with Sky's, you know, the, the viewing figures, that especially you know the likes of the live raw viewing. Again, I'm a bit of a stats nerd, similar to Will, and you know, yeah. you could chart their downfall. You know, you get a lot a lot of coverage is given to the WWE's downfall in in ratings and viewership over in the US, but over in the UK, I know we're talking smaller numbers with Sky Sports being a subscription channel. But you know, there were days where Raw was doing 150 thousands quite normally. Uh, a couple of years ago, you know, up to the 200,000s and more as you go further back and for big shows after WrestleManias to the point where these last couple of years, you know, it's dropping down to 50,000 or 30,000 and less on certain weeks. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think Sky of At- must have noticed that. And I think another big thing, you know, is when they got that last deal and they got all that money out of Sky to WWE, it was right around the time the network launched. And I think we all on this side of the world remember that, you know, we were well behind the rest of the world in getting the network because there was yeah, some delay and yeah. some to and fro in between Sky and WWE. Sky had just given WWE all this money. And then WWE turned around and went, oh, you know, those pay-per-views, you're going to be charging people £15 to watch. Yeah, we're throwing them for free on our network. Uh, there was to and fro over that. There was main event yeah. was supposed to be live on the network, but Sky believed they had exclusive rights to it. So it was blacked out uh, over in our part of the world. I just think, yeah, this was a, a relationship that to me looked like it had gone bad a couple of years ago. And yeah, I think that's I think that's the result we've got here. I don't think, you know, when we get more details, the Daily Telegraph didn't quite paint it this way, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, the fact that it's been the result of a, a huge bidding war. I think it's just going to be a case of Sky after, you know, 30 odd years are done. Yeah. And like even house show attendances, like I feel like WWE, it doesn't have a buzz amongst younger people mm. um as much as it maybe did like like when me and you were were young it was literally everyone in school watched wrestling it was a huge thing you know um and 
I know the house show attendances here in Ireland, like the WWE house show attendances have, have plummeted big time in the last few years. You know, every, every year they come over, it's less and less. Um, so it's, it's just a general decline in interest in wrestling at the moment. I, I, I suppose not so much wrestling, but WWE's product in particular. You know, obviously mm-hmm. there's, there's the indie boom kind of concurrently happening to that. But I don't see a big WWE interest here that was, you know, in 2019 that was there. Hmm. you know, in the past when it was on Sky and everybody was watching, you know. Yeah, that's it. It's a, it's a big, I think it's a shift in the landscape. And I think we are, you know, you're British fans, Irish fans, European fans in general, really. I think we're just more hardcore. I think we're more the type types of fans who are going to be turned off the product quicker. You know, we're the types of fans who are going to get onto people early. You know, I can remember going to house shows and Kurt Angle was, as a heel, much more popular here than he was in the US. Bret Hart was always famously over in Europe. I think there's a... Germany, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Germany, yeah. There's always, a, I think, always been a more hardcore base over here. Perfect for the likes of an AEW, you know, uh, AEW yeah. all looking at, you know, getting into the market. They're looking at doing pay-per-views over here as well as that that TV deal. I think that's really smart considering WWE have threatened to come back and do another SummerSlam uh, at Wembley and have, I've never done it. Uh, that's perfect for, for, uh, for AEW to step in as well. But yeah, I think... We are, I think, I think if you looked percentage-wise, if somebody did a study, I'd say a higher percentage of our fans are hardcore fans. I think that's partly because you have to be yeah. idiots like me and you, James, and stay up till five in the morning watching <laughs> these shows. And we, you have to... Exactly. You really need to be dedicated. <laughs> to be a fan, don't you? And I think that's like, that's uh, telling of, of what the fan base is like out here. And I could, again, you know, I think it'd be a worthwhile study to see, you know, how many of... You know, people say, you know, the amount of people watching Raw and SmackDown on YouTube, it's not because of, uh, it's, it's not called cutting, it's just, you know, it, it's not the reason the ratings are going down. I bet you, if you looked at the percentage of those YouTube viewers, I reckon they'd skew. There'd be a lot of Europeans in there, there'd be a lot of British, there'd be a lot of Irish, there'd be a lot of people who have cut the cord, don't subscribe to Sky anymore, but want to keep up with WWE and just don't fancy staying up in the morning from, from one till four. Yeah. There's probably a, yeah. a big tie in there. Yeah, um, absolutely. But there we go. But yeah, I guess we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Obviously, as uh, as more new comes out with regards uh, what's actually going to happen with WWE on BT Sports. Like I mentioned, uh, the, the the deal is believed to end in December or January at the end of this year, and then we'll uh, should be expecting an announcement at some point from either BT or the or the WWE. But yeah, I guess we'll see uh, how that all shakes out. But while we're on the subject, while we're talking WWE, I guess, uh, James, we should talk some NXT UK. Uh, Martin's not even here to make us do it this week. We, uh, we decided <laughs> willingly, did we? Or we very to do it anyway, weren't we? <laughs> oh, we were always going to do it. It's Pete Dunne and Walter uh, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's been uh, obviously two episodes of uh, NXT UK uh, since our, since the last episode that, uh, that Martin and the lads recorded. So we should talk about them. Uh, taking place from Glasgow, again, the big story being Dunne and Walter too. Uh, probably let's start with with that match from from last week's TV. Uh, interesting sight seeing done without the belt. Uh, I think Walter, Walter, I think he looks right with the belt. It's still a little bit weird seeing him come out as a as a WWE champion. Um, but yeah, not much talk about this match, at least in you know the bubble and the circles that I that I crossed through. It, it really hasn't been a big story that this huge, allegedly biggest match in the history of NXT UK TV. Uh, that it was uh, billed as, but not much talk really outside the, well, at least inside the bubble. And yeah, I don't know. Whether, what did you think of it as a match? I think it was better or worse than last time. I think both me and you were uh, were quite harsh on the uh, on the last match in our review. Yeah, it, it, it's 
where do you start with it? Like, as you said, zero buzz. Um, I, I think last Wednesday when it was happening, one of my friends put a tweet out saying Pete Dunne and Walter is happening right now and nobody even knows about it. And I was like, God, I, I had totally forgotten that match was even on right then. Um, one thing from the last, a more general thought on the last couple of weeks of tapings was, in fairness to the people of Glasgow, they were a much more lively and raucous crowd than I had seen for NXT UK in a long time. They really were um, enthusiastic. They treated the stars like stars. Um, especially the Scottish guys, they really, really were over, you know, and that does help. Like, I mean, we came off a block of tapings from the last session of access, you know, to the most soulless, <laughs> you know, devoid of any excitement or passion in the building. Just just guys wrestling in a warehouse with a few guys wearing replica belts standing around watching them, you know, and, and yeah. you couldn't think of a more dreary environment to watch wrestling in than that you know at least here there was a, a, a pretty excited crowd who were excited to see people and, and that did help um it, it was a good match you know it's pete dunn and walter it's two of the better wrestlers in europe you would expect them to have a good match mm-hmm. um you know the, the work was good um i enjoyed the the work on the hand, I always enjoy that in matches. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 the obvious way to go with Walter when you're trying to negate the the chops and that kind of thing. Um, I want to sell him from but, them, I would say like that was a big criticism me and you maybe yeah. had in that first match. I don't know if it was too much in this match, but there was a lot of it. There was, and and again, it it just felt very fifty fifty again, didn't mm-hmm. it? And I suppose at the end of the day, this this is one of the biggest matches they could possibly have. You know, I mean, Pete and Walter are probably the two top guys in the brand and because there is no upcoming big show that we know of because there's nothing to aim for because this series this series just kind of meanders aimlessly along without anything really to build towards you get this match given away on a on, a, on the on the network um you know given away at a tv taping when it could be a match that would make them money and maybe put people in a building, you know, it's, 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 there is no overall direction to this, you know? Mm. So yes, it was a good match. Um, it felt like a match that they had so that they could get to the, the kind of the angle afterwards almost. Um, you know, I, I gave it three and three quarter stars for, for for the time that they wrestled. It was very good. It didn't have a proper finish and it it kind of felt like they're throwing this match away to get to the big angle afterwards. I don't know if you felt the same way. Yeah. For me, it was very much the TV version of that pay-per-view match and I didn't love the pay-per-view match. And I know a lot of people did. And there's, you know, people who listen to this podcast do a very high on NXT UK. So I always feel bad when we rail on it a lot. I try to give it a chance. Uh, I thought it was fine as a match. Uh, but again, TV version of of that match that I didn't love a huge amount anyway. It was again. I think that's. It felt very not as much maybe fifty fifty as last time, uh, but it did feel very fifty fifty. I think at the same time though, you know, Dunn is a big star that they're trying to protect. I maybe forgive it a bit more on the TV because they have been establishing Walter, you know, as a monster for a while now. They've been doing a good job of that. Whereas I think with the pay per view, the biggest criticism was well. The first time people are seeing Walter, he's going 50-50. So I think you can even forgive her a little bit more here. Uh, I definitely thought there were big mo- good moments in the match. I think Dunn rallying and his comeback was fun. I thought there was a very, pretty much a very clear babyface and heel dynamic here with people getting behind Dunn. Um, so I did enjoy that too. But, you know, at least uh, at least Walter didn't hit a splash of off the top rope this time. We'll take those. <laughs> he tried to. It didn't work. We'll he went to, up for it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They teased it. I didn't love that, but yeah, at least he didn't do it again, James. We'll take yeah, those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll we take those exactly. small mercies. It kind of 
you know, we, we started the show talking about my your uh, old days of uh, Ring of Honor fandom, and uh, I love to throw a reference in, and what it kind of reminded me of this rematch of is remember when Austin Aries beat Samoa Joe for the uh, for the ROH World Title, and it was oh, you know, yeah, after yeah. That, that long Joe run uh, as champion, and it was, you know, no one was ever expecting Joe to lose, and it was a big surprise when, when Aries won, and then they find themselves in uh, Chicago Ridge, it was, I think, a few months later, I was... It was the very first Ring of Honor show I ever went to. I was over there for it, and they did a rematch. And I remember at the time thinking, hang on, Joe hasn't lost to anybody in the last couple of years, and now he's lost to Aries once. Can they really have him beat him again? And I kind of yeah. thought that's the, the situation they were in here. They, they, can't, they wanted Walter to go over, but they can't have him beat Dunkley again. You can't do that again. And, you know, Aries and Joe, I think the uh, it ended up being a silly roll-up to kind of uh, protect the uh, what they'd done with Joe over those last couple of years. And I think in this case with Dunn, yeah, they relied on the interference and the... Uh, I don't love that. I don't love that as a fear, as a finish in a Walter match. I'm, I'm stealing a win with a with a power bomb and, you know, powdering out of there with the rest of the heels. But I can understand the logic as well. Um, I don't know if, you know, you, you don't really want your big heel champion going over Dunn clean a second time. But yeah, like you said, it was very much there to set up the uh the heel stable uh very much uh, imperium is that what we're calling them now the uh, the new imperium, ring camp? Apparently, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh to set up that stuff uh that's interesting i suppose i think there are better obviously you mentioned the uh the scottish guys were a lot more over on these shows than they have been in the past so you know uh the likes say uh, i've slagged off gallus a lot on these shows but at least they were over this time but i would say you know new ring camp whatever they choose to call it is a is an upgrade on that uh and at least a, an interest and direction for them to go yeah what do you make of of them having a, a wwe version of ring camp because for, for me the problem with it is um you're you've got walter who's the dominant champion who's mm. near unbeatable um who's you know who in the run-up to the done match just beat everybody easily you know um and Ring Camp to me in, on the Indies was one of my favourite factions. You know, in a long, long time, I, I enjoyed. You know, the, the things they purported to stand for. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, it was it was always about the, the spirit of competition. Like they would regularly wrestle each other, and when they wrestled each other, they didn't hold back. You know what I mean? It was mm. about it's about being proud of being a professional wrestler and about getting better and, and the spirit of improvement. You know, mm. um, and I, I fear that. When WWE get their hands on this, it won't be that at all. It'll be, God it'll turn Walter into, it. into a, yeah, well, it'll turn Walter into a coward, and mm. it'll be like he's the dominant champion, but he needs his mates to come in and help him to be Pete Dunne. You know what I mean? Uh, it will become, it will lose all its special feel. You know what I mean? And it will just become your typical WWE heel faction where, you know, they do run-ins and help him, and it's like, you know, that's contradictory in my mind. You know mm. what I mean? Whereas when when Walter was in ring camp in, in WXW and that kind of thing, it, it was never that really. It was more just about the spirit of competition and that kind of thing, you know. Um, and of course, the WWE one doesn't have Tim, Tim Thatcher, so it's never going to be as good. <laughs> yeah, you're never going to be pleased there, James. Couldn't with that possibly be. Exactly, exactly. I don't know if you if you agree with that or, or if you have yeah. any thoughts on it or... Oh, to be honest, I'm just glad Tim Thatcher isn't in NXT UK. Imagine that. <laughs> I don't think they'd have a... That'll be the end of it, Ben. If he goes there, that's me done. I'm done. Yeah, the no more wrestling. Over. No more podcasting. That's, that's, I, I, I'll walk away. I'll walk away with my head in my hands and that'll be the end of professional wrestling. There you go. You hear the hear first. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get the temptation to do it. I, I, I do think, you know... 
It's WWE tropes, isn't it? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just being forgiven and going, well, this is just what they do. They like to have the heel stable. They tried once with Gallus. It didn't really get over. They're obviously keeping them around. And again, they were more over on these Glasgow shows, but as an overall, it didn't get over as a main event act. They're trying again with a different heel group. I think it's because I like the wrestlers in it. And I think that they're going oh, to yeah, be, they're yeah. going to be uh, uh, as you do, and they're going to be building to a big six man that I think people do want to see. You know, the angle they did after the match with the you know with the the goofy knocking over of the cameraman, um, and the you know the promo they did this week with uh, the <laughs> Tisa Junior taking the lead that wasn't that was great, but it it was clear you know the fans there want to see a British strong style versus you know New Camp match, and it is something that you can sell. Uh, but yeah, and I think. We probably are going to get a, a WWE-ified version uh, of that stable, and it probably is. A, it's probably it's a good thing that the you know they don't want to use the Ring Camp name because of you know whether it's the imagery that the the camp part of that name brings up, which is has always been silly. It's just a German word for struggle. Uh, I don't know whether that's why or whether it's a copyright thing, and they want to own it. They probably do um, what they're doing, but I think it, it is kind of that. I think maybe yeah, we should temper expectations as much as I look forward to the matches. It's Ring Camp in in look. Not in name, but in look and in presentation, but in the way the wrestlers act, it's probably going to be something different altogether. The other thing there, just um, again, we're building, like we talked a few weeks ago about seeing Devlin against Walter on NXT UK mm. and having seen a far superior version of it on in the indies. Like we, we've just seen Ring Camp against British Strong Style Very already, true. you know, so like nothing that they are producing is fresh. That They're just giving us their own spin on Matt as we've seen many times on the indies before you know so mm. it's hard to get that excited about it a, a bit like similar criticism that you could level up progress progress right now it's a lot of things that you see it elsewhere and nxt uk it's a yep. it is it's, it's always going to be a lot of things the likes of us have, have seen elsewhere and um, that maybe the newer fans can get excited about but yeah the uh, jaded likes a me and you uh we know we can see it better elsewhere so maybe that that informs yep. some of our expectations too i mean Speaking of being jaded, I want to go through a couple of uh, more of the, you know, the high and low lights of the show. Uh, we should probably talk about Nina Samuels, Tony Storm main event from this week in a minute. But just because we mentioned Gallus just then, um, squash some young lads, uh, Carlos Romo and A-Kid. Don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, you might not have after this NXT UK show. Were, I was going to, I think in my notes, I wanted to call them jobbers to the stars, but I don't think they were even that. They were just purely <laughs> jobbers. Uh, obviously, yeah. you know, a couple of names that are bubbling under. Obviously, not big names in uh, in European wrestling yet, but getting there, a lot of buzz, especially around A Kid. Uh, what do you make of uh, NXT UK using guys like that essentially as an enhancement talent? And what do you think of you know the talents, particularly in this case, you know, taking that gig and uh, and being there as a as jobbers on WWE TV? It's like it's it's a bit, you know, when I when I heard the spoilers of the tv tapings initially um and i heard that that, that the white wolf guys were, were now on nxt uk it's like every time i hear them snapping someone else up my heart sinks a little bit lower almost you know what i mean because it's it's a and, and i don't know i they don't appear to be contracted to them because they, they still are doing rev pro shows as far as i know i think they're still doing i think they were on the cockpit since and they're still booked on rev pro so they don't appear to be signed off up but they're on the radar, you know, and it's almost a case of the minute they become big, the minute they become somebody that WWE feels there's some money value in, mm. they're just going to be snapped up. And mm. it's just, it's, it, it's, it's more of a kind of an overall, that's what the British scene is now. Anyone who almost dares to get big, anyone who almost dares to become a star will be snapped up by them. You know what I mean? Now, now they don't have to sign contracts. They don't have to work for the UK, but the reality of 
it is for two guys from Spain, that's a big deal. Like, and they were, if you looked at their Twitters after those shows, like in Spain, that's a big thing. Though, you know, a scene that's that's very much in its infancy that hasn't, like, I can't think of a Spanish wrestling star in my lifetime you know what I mean so to have two guys in WWE is, is good for their scene and it's it's a big deal for them but from my point of view as a fan watching it's it's two guys who they could potentially pluck away from us and leave the indie scene even more barren you know what I mean and that that's just uh, anytime I see these new names on the shows it's kind of another one bites the dust you know what I mean another one who doesn't have who can't be booked freely in independence anymore you know what I mean and it's just just, it kind of gets me down after a while and especially them like I, I really like them and I think they're they're best served working the indies at the moment you know what I mean I, if I was to give them advice not that my advice is worth an awful lot but I would be telling them just keep being independent and working hard look look at the bigger picture look at what's going on around listen to that podcast mm-hmm. there are other possibilities now for wrestlers you know what I mean and you don't have to sign the first contract that's put in front of you anymore you know I think that that's it. I think we, I watched it, and for me, it was kind of like I was almost relieved that that was the use that, that that they got. I mean, I don't I don't love seeing them, you know, being there as jobbers, but at the same time, I was like, well, at least this probably means that they haven't got they haven't got proper contracts, which probably means that we are still yeah. going to see them elsewhere. Yeah. So I'll take the small mercy as well. Are there? Um, but yeah, I think I completely agree with you. I think for them, they're two talents that are really bubbling under at the moment. They're right on the I think they're on the brink of really good things, especially Akid. Um, you know, he's already, you know, he's already had, you know, matches that are a match of the year caliber with Zack Sabre and, and Will Ospreay, you know, as good as any you'll see anywhere else. So, you know, he's already, you know, getting to that level. Uh, but yeah, right at this high point, uh, it would be a shame to see them, you know, take a contract that would maybe you know, reduce their ability to kind of develop and, and get better over time. But I did mention it there as well. Uh, I mean, did you have any thoughts on the, uh, the Nina Samuels Tony Storm match from, from this week? That was the main event for the, uh, for the second week. Uh, I kind of enjoyed uh, the, 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 you know, the talking into the mirror pantomime villain stuff we get from Nina Samuels last week wasn't, wasn't the best, but you know, making it personal with Tony Storm and having a, a match that they attempted to me, to make mean something, uh, I thought it was solid enough. If it was, you know, again, very much a, a TV main event. Yeah, for me, it was the typical three-star Tony Storm special. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. um, I, 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 I don't see the greatness in Tony Storm that other people seem to do. I really don't. And I, I was watching that match, and it's kind of, you know, I knew I'd be kind of talking about that match in the podcast, and I was thinking, what is it about Tony Storm that just doesn't click with me? Yeah, and I, I think it's just that I don't care about her matches. She doesn't mm. do an awful lot to make me care about her matches. You know, I, I don't think she has particularly great charisma. I don't think she has particularly great. I find her charisma quite awkward. And I do t- think some people find that endearing in itself. But to mm. me, she seems quite awkward when she does a backstage segment or an interview. I find it kind of cringy and awkward and, and and I just, and in her matches, she doesn't seem to build any sense of drama. Um, and I, I, you know, as I said, she's pretty solid technically, you know, her wrestling ability is strong. She doesn't have terrible matches by any means. Um, and in terms of the European scene, she is one of the better workers out there. But to me, um, as I said, I, I find myself giving her three stars more often than not. Mm. Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of the upper, upper thing of her of, of her level at the moment to me. Anyway, mm. 
I think that like again NXT UK the comparison to Progress is always going to be there because they're essentially in a lot of ways doing the Progress Women's Division again featuring Tony Storm mm-hmm. featuring Ginny obviously there's some yep. fresher names mixed in there as well but as well as the booking that hampered Progress's Women's Division yeah I think Tony Storm's you know title run you know was never great uh she always she did she was consistently having these matches all lower it was never anything more spectacular i mean we're gonna talk about another show come on from victoria warehouse later but you know she had a match there that was built up as the big final match with virginia and it just you know it, it, it just went by it was a match uh and that's kind of the, the way i look at, at tony storm a lot of times yeah i think i do think like this kind of you know Good, you know, through, like you said, three stars isn't isn't a bad rating. It's a six out of ten for a movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, like I say it's yeah, yeah. fresh, but it's yeah. the level, isn't it, of Tony Storm? It's a you know, a good TV match is kind of all you're getting from her. Um, and yeah, I think I'd I definitely share your opinion on her maybe being a touch awkward. Uh, they are trying to do something with that NXT UK Women's Division. One big note I kind of had over the the two shows was you know the amount of promos you got from from the different women. Some better than others, you know, Viper, Candy Floss. Oh, yeah. Nina herself. Rhea Ripley, you know, has a bit more confidence. Not perfect on the mic, not great. Uh, there's always going to be p- comparisons to Pete Dunne because of what she looks like, but she's got that similar Pete Dunne thing where she's got charisma, doesn't always come across on the microphone, but she at least gets by. Uh, they're trying to build something. It's just something that, yeah, unfortunately, not a lot of people are going to be watching. Yeah. Uh, the, the one thing from that show that, that I actually really did enjoy was the the. Mid- It'll match the the, the <laughs> Cassius Ono and and Jack Gallagher. I really enjoyed wanted, that. It's got James. It had Jamesy written all over it. That thing. While yeah, I was it. <laughs> yeah. No, two guys I really like, and just you know, like nothing, nothing major. I wouldn't be saying to people rush out and watch it, but if you like technical wrestling and you kind of enjoy the older British style and that kind of thing, I would say definitely check that out. It, it was really really good. Um, and again, like I just look at it and. Poor old Jack Gallagher, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Not poor Jack Gallagher, he has a contract, you know, and I mean, he, he willingly signed the contract. I'm sure he's quite happy. But at the same time, like, we were talking about Moxley earlier, and like, Moxley was extremely aggrieved at, with how he was treated. Mm. But at the same time, Moxley was, was a world champion. Mm. Multiple time intercontinental champion, US champion, in one of the, maybe the, the biggest modern faction, you know, in a long, long time in the Shield. He was given opportunities. So, like and, and he was incredibly and justifiably disillusioned with his job. So imagine if you're a guy way down the ladder who doesn't even get those opportunities, mm. who, who's pitching ideas, you know, and I kind of look at Jack Gallagher there and he was a guy that just before he got signed, I felt was on the cusp of becoming one of the top guys on the British scene, you know, and he's just disappeared. I, I I never hear about Jack Gallagher anymore. I never hear of him having good matches on 205 Live. You see him the odd time. And like you see him here and he's a tremendous wrestler. And he, you know, he doesn't have a platform to, to show his skills. Mm. That's it. It comes to something, doesn't it? When probably the highlight of Jack Gallagher's month is going to be getting to appear on NXT UK. You know, considering he left the UK with a, and this was before NXT UK when he went out there, he went out with a, you know, through the Cruiserweight Classic, a, allegedly was, a proper yeah, yeah. WWE deal, wound up on 205 Live Hell. He got that, remember when he was in, he was in the Royal Rumble, you know what I mean? He got that big umbrella spot in the Royal Rumble and that was kind of yes. the peak yeah. and now 
he does seem like a wrestler who's got to take those big opportunities when he can. Um, I saw an interview with uh, TJP the uh, the other day with uh, Van Vliet on Van Vliet is his name on YouTube. Does all those videos, all those interviews with WWE and uh, AEW guys, and he was sitting down with TJP and TJP outright said since he's left WWE, he's been making double the money. And even if you think he's exaggerating, I believe him that he's making more. So as a Jack, you know, for a Jack Gallagher who's moved abroad, you know, he's away from home. He's not off. He's getting on TV, but you know, in in roles like this, uh, you're wonder if it's you know it's worth it for a wrestler like that to say you've got a WWE contract, but your WWE contract involves you know for you to have something to do, wrestle on these NXT UK shows, and I think the same kind of applies to Cassiusono. I think he's more there as a coach, isn't he? And they're trying to do this this story with him of him, you know seeing himself as a uk legend out there doing johnny saint spots uh do enjoy that um and again you know the match i'm the same as you i enjoyed it again i watched it thinking it was the jamesy special with all the with the great technique <laughs> it, it did turn into a, a very good hard-hitting match but i was i was looking at both men thinking good god how the mighty have fallen maybe maybe ono's happy with his lot maybe gallagher's you know comfortable out there and maybe you know he Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's making enough money that it that it makes it worthwhile. But yeah, you can't help but watch a match like that and think I enjoyed it, but I would like to see it somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. And in the context of what Leo Rush was saying recently as well about having to, you know, all the things that a lot of people didn't realize that they have to, you know, pay for things that people thought that the company would have put on for him. They have to pay for transport out of, you know, you hear about a guy having a contract and it sounds like good money, like something like $80,000 a year and you're thinking oh, that's that's a nice you know very good salary but then you're paying for your hotel out of that every night you're paying for your transport out of that like I'd love to know if the UK guys are paying for their own transport and that kind of thing are they paying for where they stay when they go to the performance center how does it work mm. you know what I mean because you often hear these figures and then the reality of it is that they're like TJP you know he's on the indies and like huge a TJP isn't even popping up in places that I'm hearing about, you know what I mean? So he's working on lesser known indies and he's saying he's making double the money and I do believe him, you know? Mm, yeah, well, definitely. And I think you hear that from a lot of people who, who seem to leave and yeah, it's come to a point where, okay, if you're a UK guy and you signed an NXT UK contract, yeah, it's got WWE in the header, but is it really a WWE contract? Um, and I think, you know, in a similar boat with 205 Live, I, I wonder whether a, a Jack Gallagher is finding that too. But, you know, won't complain too much. Uh, I'm quite, you know, if we want to be watching these NXT UK TV shows, to throw a match like this on once a week with uh, with Ono, oh, yeah. which they have yeah. been trying to do. I, I'll take it. Uh, they're building towards... It makes uh, it easier to bear us. <laughs> definitely, yeah, yeah. And they, they are putting, again, without a big pay-per-view to aim for, they're doing a lot on TV. They've got a four-way next week. Travis Banks, Dave Mastiff, Joe Coffey and Jordan Devlin, you know, the, the the qualifying matches for the, for that weren't exactly the most exciting, but it, at least it's a destination. Um, but yeah, I guess we're uh, yeah. we're going to continue spinning our wheels until we find out a little bit more about, you know, potential UK takeover coming up um, and see, you know, where where exactly uh, this brand is headed and if it, it ever will uh, quite get out of that purgatory. Um, another thing we were going to talk about today as well, and uh, moving on to, I suppose, a, a WWE-related promotion in some ways, uh, WXW. Um, there's been a, a bit of news with them over the, the last few months. We haven't uh, had a huge amount of time to, to talk about WXW and uh, and check in. Uh, one big story coming out, and we're going to talk uh, True Colors in a second, but 
WXW have uh, unveiled uh, this year that their, their normal tag league uh, structure isn't a league anymore. Uh, gone are the blocks. Instead, they're having a, a tournament where essentially you get six matches on the first day with the 12 teams and we, we wind up on the final day with actually three teams rather than two teams in the final and we go to a, a three-way dance. I mean, I suppose before we talk anything else, WXW, what you what you make of that change, James? Are you, you going to be heading over in, uh, in October, 4th to the 6th, I believe it is this year? Yeah. I'll be there. Um, to, to be honest, I, I really liked the format they had already. I, I thought it was it was a they had used it. I think I think this last year's tag league was maybe the third year in a row they'd used it, and I thought it was a good format because uh, number one, you're, you're bringing in you're bringing in say you know four local teams usually and and four flying teams. And if people weren't familiar with the flying teams, it kind of gave the crowd a chance to get to know them over the three days like so you had like that the the team from big japan that came in last year you know what i mean who a lot of people uh, wouldn't have been particularly familiar with and by the time night three came around mm. people had they, you know they, they had gotten over they'd got get, get, you know and it was it felt like teams were given a chance to grow as the tournament went along you know and um this new format um i don't don't like triple threats in general. Um, a triple threat tag team final seems messy to me. Mm. Um, the cynic in me immediately thinks, why the need to have a triple threat? And the good thing, I suppose, the triple threat is if you have somebody in that match that can't be pinned or you're not allowed to have pinned, you don't have to have them pinned. And I'm just wondering, is, is this WXW... If it's WXW saying we want to try something fresh and we have a plan and we have an idea for it, fair enough. I trust them and they have earned our trust at this stage as people who can book these weekenders, you know what I mean? But if it's WXW knowing that they're going to have a certain team booked that they want to have in the final but can't be pinned, then I don't like that. Because straight away it's the WWE influence coming in on a pro on a promotion that I really care about and really like. So um I guess we won't know for sure until it be- until the identity of who's in the final becomes <laughs> apparent. But the cynic in me always the alarm bells start ringing when things start changing about promotions um I always start thinking, well why are they doing that? You know what I mean? And like you're you're gonna be flying in teams to lose on the first night and what will they do then for the rest of the weekend you know it's a bit i don't know i just really liked the league format i think there was an awful lot of good about it and and like they it always you know it gave them a chance to kind of flex their booking muscles with the way the groups would work out and that kind of thing um i don't know what you think about that or yeah i mean i was obviously there last year and the the league format was great especially that block that i you know the lucha brothers in there and ring camp in there and it was just yeah, you got to see pretty much, you were guaranteed a great combination of matches pretty much yeah. every night. You lose that a little bit here, don't you? Um, it's a bit more of, you know, your standard tournament and, you know, you, we might get some flippy tags and some flippy multibands with, you know, some of the losing teams, but... I mean, I'm willing to wait and see, you know, how it works out, uh, yeah. you know, whether yeah. it could work out for the better. I mean, I guess we'll see. I think a, bit, a big part of it is going to be who they announce over the coming months. Obviously, they'll be taking the time. Aussie Opener announced already as the, uh, as the tag team champions. If we do see, a, you know, WWE style teams uh, start, get, start getting uh, announced. And if we see, you know, like you say, the, the likes of, uh, of Walter in there and, you know, you, we might be able to, there might be a, a political element to it. I guess we'll see. But... 
yeah um october is going to be interesting when it comes to that show they've also got uh, over that weekend they're doing an ambition wildcard edition dominic garini i believe you're a fan of his james he's been a he's been announced for the weekend uh anyone else you're hoping for ambition uh this this time out um god like it's it's yeah, Carini's great. I'm delighted to see him be brought in because he's he's. I always thought if there was ever a guy who was suitable for ambition, it would be him. You know, um, yeah. Like it's. I can't say they've they've made announcements so far, um, and like there's nobody there that's going to blow people. Like personally, Carini's great. They've announced the Workhorsemen as well. Mm-hmm. I think they must have impressed them at Mania weekend. They're going to be in the tag tournament as well. Um, apart from that, they've been pretty light on announcements. Um, it's it's. I wonder is it turning into a thing at this stage with WXW where they don't necessarily need to have blow away announcements because I think these weekends sell themselves like I would imagine ticket sales just based on the people I know and the people we know on Twitter there's an awful lot of people from from the UK and Ireland flying over Um, I think at this point these weekends nearly sell themselves so I, I, I feel like are we going to get huge announcements or is it just going to be kind of lesser teams and just a really well booked weekend i don't know it's hard to know like it's it's what are we now we're going into june mm. i feel like this time last year there were more teams announced and more things have been announced for it it's been quite light so far yeah that's it yeah i mean again a lot of time to go isn't there but yeah hopefully you know they, they don't uh, yeah, yeah. waste around too much because there's plenty of uh, people like us uh, i'm definitely considered well almost certainly going looking at book on my flights and there's definitely uh, people i know who are on the fence so yeah hopefully we, we get a few more announcements going forward but one other thing james as we mentioned uh, you sat down you watched the uh, the true colors show from wxw um, anything in there that uh, you think people should track out or anything that kind of uh, made you excited for uh, wxw uh, going into the uh, the long summer yeah, to be honest, it was it was a solid show more than anything. Um, it it kind of comes. It was the first major show in Germany since Tag League. Um, I was actually I was reviewing it for Fighting Spirit magazine, and it was a kind of a difficult one to write a review for. Um, because you know the way when there's a great match and a show, and you're writing a review. You, it's easy to kind of to, to, to gush about it and and to, to praise it to high nines. If there's something terrible on the show. It's also easy to write about that and to critique, to critique it and give you reasons for not liking it. You know what I mean? This was a show, um, again, it was uh, nearly every match, I would say, was hovering around the three stars. You know what I mean? Um, the main event was a, was, a, was a triple threat between Bobby Guns, Ilya Dragunov and Mario Alani, kind of three of their three of their bigger guys. And it was fine. You know, again, I'm looking at Bobby Guns and I want a bit more from him. Um, he's, you know, he's hugely popular. Um, he people chant for him but do you often hear people in our bubble talking about how great Bobby Gunn's matches are because I don't no. and it's you know he's the champion now he's the figurehead of the company this is another big show slipping by where he had a match that was fine but nothing that I would be saying to people go out of their way to, to watch you know mm-hmm. what I mean and one of the things that struck me about this show it didn't have Walter it didn't have Timothy Thatcher it didn't have David Starr kind of three of the mainstays of the last two or three years of WXW where you kind of looked at their names on the card and you knew okay at least we're going to get good matches from them if nothing else you know what I mean and when you take those names off the card it looks a bit light on paper it doesn't look as enticing like you know um, as, 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 a, as a WXW card would normally um, what else was on it there was tag match between Aussie Open and JFK again it was perfectly good mm. um, I feel like Aussie Open are kind of in a funny situation in WXW at the moment where they're Shad and Friday as as a stable are naturally quite heelish 
And when you think about what's probably down the line for them, they will end up being heels in the promotion. Mm-hmm. But here they were baby faces against JFK, who are the natural heels. You know what I mean? So it, it's just kind of a bit confusing as to what they are at the moment in WXW. Um, there was a three-way match, women's match, Amali, Winchester, Killer Kelly and Valkyrie. Um, it's good to see them trying new names. Valkyrie is an Irish wrestler who's um, from the same training school and kind of the same age group as More Than Hype. Um, she's young. She's very raw. She has. She still has a long way to go. But seeing her, she actually spent quite a while in W. I think she did a kind of a month over in WXW. And, you know, when you see young wrestlers going over, were there I, I always think it, it, it kind of bodes well for them you know what I mean that they're going to the right places they've been trained by the right people and you know any young wrestler that you hear of going to WXW a few years later they're usually a big deal on the scene you know what I mean so she's a good she's a name to watch out for and it's good to see them scouting young talent and bringing in new names as well um that aside that, that you know as I said I wouldn't be saying to people rush out and watch any matches from this show to be honest there was an absolute Andy and Lucky Kid match that went over 20 minutes and it was it was a bit of a struggle, to be honest. Like, I do like Andy and I like his character, but a 20-minute match is a bit much, you know what I mean? And on a show where there weren't many great stakes, you know, the, the match, I don't think the match had any stakes behind it. It wasn't number one contenders or anything like that. So there was lots of ma- matches on here that were just a match that were perfectly solid technically, um, but nothing that I would be saying you really have to go out and watch. Interesting. I mean, it's a weird time, isn't it? Because obviously you know, there's the big tentpole events that WXW have. I think maybe the fact that superstars of wrestling's around the corner as well kind of, you know, informs yep. this not being a exactly blow away show. I mean, that's the one that's got Ken Shamrock on it, uh, of all people. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> headlined by Bobby Guns and Joey Janela, uh, which is something they tried to build while they were in the USA. Walter and uh, Wheeler, Utah. Uh, Shamrock's in there with uh, Vite Muller, isn't he? That's uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's the that's the show for people maybe who are dipping in and out of WXW to dip back into oh, yeah. Cage yeah. and Lucky Kid there too that does look like a, a a bit more of an interesting card i suppose than uh than, than what this provided yeah I, i'll be watching guns closely in that main event he he needs to have a noteworthy match like that's a big chance for him to get janella over mm. uh, uh like janella is the biggest well i suppose he is he independent anymore but he, he was he's been the biggest star on the u.s scene for the last couple of years i think you know what i mean and it's a natural feud between the two of them um they have similar kind of personas and characters to two bad boys kind of a thing. I, I, I really want to see something from Bobby in that match. Like I need him to have a match that you could kind of say, okay, you, people should go and watch this match because if he fails to deliver again, it's like, mm. like okay, another month has gone by and, and this, this title reign starts to drift a little bit. And it's, you know, uh, as I said, I, I need to see something from him in this match in particular. I think there's a bit of pressure on him here. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention as well, we're about to get into our maybe more miscellaneous uh, news and notes, but something that we actually both wanted to talk about, Jamesy, is uh, New Japan's Best of the Super Juniors that's going on at the moment. Uh, just to check in a little bit, really. Yeah. With, uh, I suppose I would call them European-based wrestlers, uh, maybe not British wrestlers, but yeah. our guys, yeah. that we count as our guys, uh, are doing quite well in this tournament. Uh, El Fantasmo, for one, uh, you, you Rev Pro fans probably wouldn't even recognise uh, it is Bullock Club gear doing his, his heel shtick has been uh, definitely getting over across the tournament. Marty Scale and Osprey have had some uh, very, very strong performances, especially Osprey. Uh, it's been a, so far, uh, it's been a great tournament, but it's been a, a good tournament for the uh, the guys that I suppose we uh, we still class as ours uh, over in this part of the world. Oh, big time. As you said, a, a great overall tournament, one that I've 
enjoy surprise myself how much I've enjoyed it. Like at the outset, I was looking at it and I was thinking, okay, I'm definitely going to be picking and choosing which matches I'm watching. And it, I watched the first night in full. It was easy to watch. It didn't feel like a chore. I watched the second night. I was like, and then I kind of kept watching and I got to the point where I was like, okay, I, I'm going to watch everything in this now because it's it's, it's actually really rewarding to, to kind of watch everything. They're building little stories for people. There's been brilliant matches on the undercard in some cases better than some of the main events, I'd nearly say, especially that, that first week, the undercard is really strong and some of the main events didn't deliver. Mm. Um, Phantasmo was a real interesting one. Like, yeah, he's, um, he is a bit of fun. Cause I, I mean, he's split people. I, I think, I think the, the heel character isn't for everyone. I've been enjoying it. I think it kind of peaked with the Rocky Romero match. I think it, I think it's safe to say he's getting over, but I don't know. Has it been for you? It, at the start? No. And I couldn't understand how he would go from the baby face that we saw on Rev Pro the weekend before the tournament started, you know, beating the dastardly heel in star and then showing up in, in New Japan with the belt, very obviously holding that belt every night. And he was a complete dastardly heel himself. You know what I mean? And that didn't sit well with me. And I think his first few nights, it was a bit awkward. And he was doing some things as a heel that kind of put me off like that. You know, uh, the thing he was doing, like, you know, kind of aggressively sticking his middle finger up to young kids and that kind of thing. Um, and like there was one of the shows there, there was like a Down syndrome kid kind of rushed to the railing to shake his hand and that he took his hat off and yeah. threw it away. And it wasn't, no. And I mean, like people will say, well, you know, he's doing his job as a heel if you're offended and annoyed. Fair enough. But, but for me, like there are things that was just too far. Mm. And he did. He hasn't been doing that. He stopped that after the first week. I don't know. Did somebody maybe have a word? Or did he see the online reaction wasn't great to it? He cut that out. His first few matches were, were fine. They were okay. And but then when they hit Corrigan Hall in, the, in that second week, mm. it really came together for him. He had two really big matches. He had the Osprey match, and he had the Rocky Romero match. And like th those two matches are probably the two best El Fantasma matches I've ever seen. Mm. You know and. You know, obviously, there's the thing we always say, you're in there with Osprey, you can't help but but not have a good match. But he did play his part, you know what I mean? And Corrigan really hated him. Like, as a heel, he, he was over. Um, and him being a heel made those matches better. It wasn't just... He had, like, you know, anybody can have any of these guys in this tournament can have a good athletic match with Will Ospreay. And I think the face heel dynamic in those match in, in the Osprey match elevated it. And like, to my mind, I don't know how you feel, Benno, but my my number one match, like, and as I've watched everything in this tournament, I think the best match of the tournament so far has been Rocky Romero and El Fantasmo. Mm. I thought that thing was <laughs> incredible. Like, I, I was lucky enough, I was lucky enough to see it live, so I, I wasn't spoiled on the finish. Um, I, I when these shows are on, I always try and rush off on an early lunch break, and I usually manage to catch the main event just as it's about to start. And so I watched that thing completely unspoiled, mm. and I was, was engrossed in it. You know, the the, the veteran Rocky Romero against the, the asshole that El Fantasma is in New Japan. Like, and one of those matches where I'm literally punching the air when Rocky Romero wins, you know, just a really great emotional match. Um, and like, if that's what El Fantasma was doing, then you, you can't argue with him. You know, I mean, that's he's 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 one of the better guys in the tournament based on just having those two matches alone, you know. Oh, definitely. And he's one of the most over guys in there too. Um, I, th I think... I think what I think it for me that probably is the peak of the tournament so far. Um, I think 
that's probably as good as it's gotten so far, uh, that particular match, yeah. just because it was the payoff to all the El Fantasmo stuff. And I definitely get what you're saying with, you know, some of the, the more tasteless heel stuff not being for you. And I know a, a lot of people kind of uh, shared that. You do, you find when the, it does seem to be when, when Gaijin go over to, to Japan, especially New Japan, they'll push the boundaries with the, the swearing yeah. and the nonsense. And usually they will get taken aside if you believe uh, some of the interviews you're yeah. in with some, some of the kind of words I'd say. Yeah. yeah, someone just quietly says, you know, tone it down a little bit. But I would say, you know, the overall package has worked. And I think, yeah, you know, we've been covering the the whole tournament as a whole not just you know the european based guys on my grapple podcast and i said there as well this is my match of the tournament i think i gave it 4.25 stars on grapple but for me yeah it's it's there's such just something about it i mean i, I think there are the, there maybe you could you could say there are better you know bell to bell in-ring matches and the, the likes of shingo have been oh, yeah, responsible yeah. for that but there was just something yeah. more to this match there was just i think it was that baby face heel dynamic. I mean, imagine going into this tournament and and telling me that yeah, Rocky Romero and El Fantasma are going to have my favorite match of the tournament. It, you just you wouldn't think it. Um, so I think maybe favorite, not best, is the best way of putting it for me. Um, but just incredible. And I think yeah, a lot of it is the the fact that El Fantasma has gone there and he's got over and you know Corican responded to him. Um, and it's you know again yeah. maybe not all the tactics have been great, but. I think it has worked in general. Um, you mentioned the Osprey match there as well. I mean, while we are talking Euro-based guys, can't help but mention Will Osprey. You know, just Will Osprey casually, possibly the best wrestler in the world at this point, <laughs> killing it with absolutely everybody from the likes yeah. of Show yeah. to Ren Narita. Um, and like you say, having that that incredible match with El Fantasma himself as well. He's been killing it. Uh, even even you know Marty has been getting on the act. I thought his match with Shingo was really strong. He looks he's been look most motivated out there. Even his match with with Show was strong. Uh, I think yeah, Will and uh, Will and Marty. I think Marty. It's hard to class really as a European based guy anymore because um, we just don't see him <laughs> on our shores anymore. But yeah, this is the most I've yeah. been into him and Osprey. Yeah, there's not enough plaudits in the world for how good he's been. Yeah, it's like with Osprey, it's like you, you, it's it's like what else can you say about the chap? Almost, you know what I mean? And and there's even within that, like you'll always get great athletic matches with Osprey. You know what I mean? Mm. But like, it, there's even variety within the types of matches he's had. Like he had he's had a couple of matches where uh, his opponent has worked on his leg and. You know, in my head, Will Ospreay wouldn't be the first guy you think of when you think of good selling. You know what I mean? Like good limb selling. You know, he's, you know, when you think of high flyers, you kind of think of a guy who might, you know, they might sell a leg for a while and then forget about it. But like, there was a match he had with Yo, I think it was. And again, I, I marked it really, really high because the way he sold that leg was, was good as any wrestler I've seen in a long, like I would say it's the best individual limb selling performance mm. maybe of the whole year. You know what I mean? Like he, he never forgets to sell it, does his high spots, but he'll always sell the leg <laughs> afterwards or he'll, he'll do one of those things where he lands on his feet out of the mood, move and then the leg buckles underneath him. You know what I mean? Or he, he, he'll go to the top rope, but he can't execute the move and that kind of thing. So like he's, he's not just producing, he's not, there's not just with Asprey high flyer guy anymore. Like mm. th- there's depth to his work. There's, there's good selling. There's, he's the fiery baby face against El Fantasmo. Um, and then, when he has the opportunity to go nuts against the likes of Bandito, like they just, that's insanely good. Like, you know what I mean? And him doing those matches just seems to be on a level above what anyone else can do. You know what I mean? Like in, in terms of that high flying modern wrestling, a lot of it leaves me numb. Like, and I kind of, 
it's like you know you have to be very special to impress me like but I, i'm still blown away by some of the stuff osprey does, you know what i mean and mm. yeah like I, I have no problem with anybody saying he's the wrestler of the year or the best in the world um and yeah marty's marty's doing well you know he's he's i think marty kind of stopped working hard when he kind of got in with the elite and got in the bullet club and that kind of thing and he realized that he didn't have to kill himself anymore to make a lot of money um i i, I don't particularly judge him for that good luck to him you know what i mean he's he's he, he he worked the indies for a long long time and paid his dues to get to where he is now you know what i mean so um but he i feel like he's he's really working hard at this tournament uh it feels like as as a group in general those juniors kind of really have to bit between their teeth in this tournament like they know that there's a big show at sumo hall coming up there's pressure on them to sell that out. And they're like, they're really, everyone, down to the veterans, are busting their asses in this tournament. And I, I like the duo of Marty and Brody King as well. I, I, I They've really grown on me as a pairing. I, I think they've got a good chemistry together. I get a bit of a vibe of kind of Diesel and Shawn Michaels a little bit off them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I think they're, they, sh- they should stick together. And I think like if, if it does come to a thing where Marty's, contract does go up with ROH and he's thinking of going elsewhere um, I would like to think that they might stick together because there's something there about them I, I like the idea of Marty having a kind of a bodyguard and a heavy to kind of do his dirty work for him mm. yeah definitely it's a good dynamic for him I think when all his mates got off and you know we'll say all his friends are dead uh, I did worry about Marcy and ROH and in New Japan he's kind of been an island on his own hasn't he um, so I do think yeah. That, yeah, that, that pair in the group as a whole of uh, you know overachieved as to, to what I was expecting but yeah agree with you I think he's been great I don't think you know at this point as far as the numbers go I don't think Osprey or Al Fantasma are probably going to be winning the thing I think with Osprey I think we're going to you mentioned the selling with Osprey, the, the story. I think we're getting with Osprey, like you say. We, there was the legwork in the Yo match. I think there was armwork in, in the Rocky Romero match, and I think it was his yep. his neck and yep. back that uh, Bushi was wearing. He dragged Bushi to a four star match. I mean, if that doesn't tell you how good Osprey yep. is, I'm no Bushi fan, but I absolutely yep. love that one as well. And it, I think a lot of his matches are in fighting through fighting through the injuries through brute stupidity he's a mm. he's an mma fighter in a fight who you know breaks his ankle or breaks his shin or but just carries on kicking and keeps fighting anyway or you know loses <laughs> his other body parts and and doesn't tap out yeah. of the match that's what osprey is and i think that's going to be his his end story in this tournament but i think for me hopefully out of that you know that crew that we're talking about if he doesn't end up in the G1 this year, it's going to be a crime. He's got the size now. He's performing night to night. Uh, yeah. It's got to be his year from that point of view as well. Um, but one other thing I did want to mention as well, while we're talking best of the Super Juniors, not European based, but you know, we see a lot of them a, a lot and we're both big fans. How good's Gresham been in those undercards? Uh, just briefly. The, uh, oh, the CC- yeah. He's a CCK member. He's kind of, he's kind of a token British. We'll take oh, him. Yeah. We, we'll save him. I'll happily claim Gresham. Absolutely. <laughs> he's Irish. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, like Gresham is just, and uh, the thing with Gresham is he's he's he's. Uh, I was thinking about it, and he's he's nearly been screwed on actual match time more than anyone in the tournament. Like mm-hmm. nearly everybody has gotten a big match or like a, a main event or a semi-main event where they've had the chance to go like fifteen to twenty minutes or longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I know he wrestled Shingo today. I, I purposely didn't read any results or spoilers, so I'm hoping that maybe that's his chance to get a longer match and get the chance to really show what he can do you know what I mean but like Gresham has spent his whole career overachieving based on on the opportunities he's had you know what I mean he's been overlooked time and time again by promotions um, and it's it's only now that people are realising how good he is and like one of the really enjoyable things to me about this tournament has been people who may not have been familiar with Gresham on the timeline 
getting to see him in this environment and kind of realizing Jesus Gresham is actually phenomenal. You know what I mean? And like, even with just getting 10 minute matches, he's just doing stuff on a level that no one else is doing. You know what I mean? Like, so like his very first match was against Marty, which was actually a really good match as well. And Marty did the finger snap and the finger snap is usually a match that's done as almost as a throwaway move. You know what I mean? And it's kind of forgotten about almost by the time the match is over. But like when Gresham gets, you know, is, is doing something like that, he was still selling his hand on night five, five yeah. nights later. You know what I mean? Things like that, coming out with his fingers taped up, shaking his hand out when somebody w- would hit a move on him, that kind of thing. And now he's moved to his ribs, like he, somebody attacked his ribs there kind of halfway through the tournament. And he's still selling the ribs three or four nights later. You know what I mean? And just he's just on another level. You know what I mean? And like nothing would give me more satisfaction and joy as a wrestling fan for him to get to get to work somewhere where he's really appreciated like he's in ROH and I feel like they just don't appreciate him they, they, he'll get a chance every now and again he got that um, trilogy with Jay Lethal last year that was amazing and I just love him to go somewhere where he's appreciated you know and like one of the loveliest moments for me of the whole tournament was his his Corican Hall debut um, the very start of his match I can't remember who he was wrestling but he just did something simple like a standing switch but the way Gresham does it is so quick and so smooth and you know the way Japanese fans kind of have a visceral reaction like you can hear them kind of going ooh ah, you know the oohs and ahs were coming out like and it was like this is great like just to see him being appreciated on a stage like this is no more than the man deserves really you know it's just it's so fun to just see him on those undercards just having the time of his life I think and getting over and like you say connecting to the crowd uh, he's just he's someone who a bit like Tim Thatcher I think you know maybe European based fans are kind of tucked to him first and it took the americans a little while and now in gresham's case uh the japanese fans are taking to him too and it's yeah it's just a joy to see uh he's just he's having the he's just having a low-key fun tournament he's having fun little three-star matches on the undercard against the likes of takamishinoku and there's some maybe not again going back to favorite versus best maybe not the best matches of the tournament but definitely some of my favorites so yeah he's definitely a, a favorite on this podcast isn't he Gresham so it's uh it's absolutely definitely to see yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> um I mean a couple of news notes before we we do get out of here a couple of uh a quick ones uh OTT had a, a show at the weekend uh in Belfast uh show's not available on VOD at this point and you know those Belfast shows aren't always the most newsworthy but they did put a, a video on YouTube so if you are desperately avoiding uh, any spoilers from that show maybe skip along a couple of minutes but in the YouTube video they've shown pretty much the big angle from that show uh Walter versus David Starr being announced for WrestleRama coming up beating progress to the punch uh, <laughs> interesting I mean they the showed bits of the promo where earlier you know during the match David Starr's cut, cutting a promo during his match and Devlin later on uh, saying to Star that that Walter had to, he had to that Star had to beat Walter to to get through to him. Um, really interesting that, that, that they're doing that and that David Star in response is referencing the beating Devlin in progress of all places and talking about the wider world of wrestling. I don't know about blaring those lines. I mean, Eddie De- Eddie Dennis did it in progress and I didn't love it. Um, talking about things that have yeah. happened in attack and it just. If you're going to build these walled gardens of promotions, you either I think you've got to stick to one rule or the other. Either the outside world doesn't exist, or it, or it does, or you know it exists and you don't you know bring a lot of attention to the fact that people are heels and baby faces and and different characters are across different places. But they did it. They brought attention to it. They're using it to build to Walter versus David Star again before uh, progress uh, eventually get there after Super Strong Style. Uh, did you see the YouTube video and uh, what you make of the the direction for WrestleRama? 
Okay. Yeah, I saw the video, yeah, and I had heard from friends of mine who were at the show what had happened as well. Um, yeah, uh, the, the progress thing does not sit well with me, I, I think. Um, I, I give them maybe a slight pass on the fact that they don't have shows as much anymore to, to build their own angles, you know what I mean? So, you know, I, I feel I, I feel like their long-term plan was, was Star and Walter at... WrestleRama in June anyway, and I mean, I don't think I don't think it's a case of them trying to beat progress to the match or anything like that. I just feel like that was their plan anyway. You know what I mean? And I suppose it it, it brings up a few issues. Number one, can Walter lose to David Starr being the UK champion? I don't think they're going to allow that. Um, so I feel like we're going to have an inconclusive finish to that match somehow. Mm. And we'll end up then the next big stadium show then is in October. And I feel like we might have a triple threat between Walter Starr and Devlin. Mm. Um, I think that's probably the direction, you know, and it, I think ultimately they want to get the belt onto Star. I think um, as an independent guy, they, they'll have creative freedom. We keep talking about that word, creative freedom to book him as they like. And if, you know, so the only way to do that, in the tri- and if Walter can't be pinned, then you have Star pinned Devlin in the triple threat and you have him leaving in October as the champion. So that's kind of the way I feel they're going. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, and I mean, I enjoyed Star's promo and that kind of thing in the video. I enjoyed the idea of him. He also turned Sean Guinness mm. against Devlin, which was a kind of nice dastardly heel move. It's like he's taking everything away from Devlin that he had. You know, he turned on him himself. Now his, his friend going back years, Sean Guinness, who was his regular tag team partner, he's turned him against him. Eventually he'll take his title from him as well. You know what I mean? So, And, and that's, that's a solid story and a good story. Um, it's just a pity that WWE UK stuff gets in the middle of it again. You know what I mean? And this, this amazing story that they've had running now for over a year, you'd love if they could just book it the way they wanted and not have to kind of book themselves, you know, contort their booking in such a way as, as to get the outcome that they want. But that's the world we live in, you know. And if you want to have the star power of a WWE guy on your shows, then you have to live with the consequences of it, you know. And it just goes to show that, like, if... Uh, you know, on a wide on the wider picture, I suppose all these promotions doing the same main events because there are no other main events there, and there aren't any people who are big enough stars like you're seeing. Star, we saw Star Walter in March in WXW. We're going to see it in June in OTT, and we're probably going to see it in is it September that the Alexandra Palace show is again in progress That's three right. times in the one year. And it's really for the lack of there being anyone else big enough to put in the match, you know. Yeah, and that's it. They're the big stars and that are available, and it's just the only stars. <laughs> the only stars, yeah. I think for me, I like, I, I if NXT UK politics were a size, I could get behind this as a story. If I wouldn't love it, but if say David Starr beats Walter in OTT and he beats him in Progress, but he still can't beat him in WXW, I think that's an interesting story. It's not as good as the story of David Starr can never beat him, but it maybe goes some way to explain yeah. why you know both promotions are, are booking that match this year. But yeah, I guess we'll see uh, as the summer develops. And yeah, I think uh, it is unfortunate that OTT haven't had a, a place really to tell their stories properly. You know, it's outside of these yeah. the likes of these yeah. Belfast shows, yeah. and yeah, hopefully. You know, maybe it could get rectified at some point, but certainly not looking hopeful. Um, so yeah, hopefully it doesn't uh, cost us too much in the uh, in whatever they have planned uh, from a storytelling point of view. 
Um, we should probably link that to our to our next news story. Uh, Chris Brooks is going to the DDT. Chris Brooks, who uh, a lot of people thought was the uh, the Times Up knife pervert, uh, based on the fact that the man in the Times Up New Japan video was wearing a, a leather jacket and had a British flag on the side. I was always skeptical because that man had a very baggy pair of dad jeans on, and Chris Brooks is not being seen with a baggy pair of dad <laughs> jeans on. He's stylish. <laughs> he's far too stylish. Skinny jeans or nothing else. Spray on jeans for the likes of yeah. Chris yeah. Brooks. Uh, for me, it was never going to be him unless they had a body, body double stand in. I thought, uh, yeah, DDT made fun of it doing a, a very, very similar looking video. Um, yeah, did uh, yeah. turn out to be Chris Brooks this time. Uh, same looking man in the baggy jeans and the, and the leather jacket and turning out the Brooks was headed to DDT. Uh, obviously, Brooks has got form with the, the likes of uh, Tuesday Night Graps and uh, an attack for maybe more the, the wacky side of wrestling. Obviously, that's not all that DDT is, but for me, a far better fit for Chris Brooks than uh, than what New Japan potentially would have been. Oh, big time, yeah. And I mean, it wasn't just because of the guy in the video that that I didn't think Brooks was going to New Japan. I just don't see him as a stylistic <laughs> fit. You know, Chris I mean, Brooks, he has, yeah. he, he's wrestled, yeah, he's wrestled New Japan guys in Rev Pro, and the results, like the results, haven't been brilliant to be honest. You know what I mean? And I, I don't think he's at that level as a worker that 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 New Japan would be interested in, quite frankly. Um, but I do think DDT is the perfect place for him, and I think they have a partnership with Fight Club Pro as well. Um, and if that's going to be a thing that they're serious about, th- then Brooks going to going to DDT. He's the perfect guy to go over there. You know what I mean? He can do the wacky stuff. Um, he actually has a title. His 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 very first match, I think, is going to be in Corken Hall. And he has a title shot. And and DDT do really funny things with their title. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they put the belt on him on the first night. Because like last year, they had that weird thing where Sammy Callahan was the champion. Do you remember mm. that? He was yeah, the DDT yeah. champion. Irie uh, brought the belt around the world and kind of toured it around. And they switched it on to Sammy Callahan and switched it back to him like a week later. Um, so they're, they're, they're kind of all over the place with their booking. You know what I mean? And I suppose if, if you are going to have a power, partnership with the company in the UK um, then why not put the title on him you know what I mean so as I said yeah definitely a good stylistic fit and I'm happy for him as well because he is he's a real wrestling nerd you know what I mean so for <laughs> him to be wrestling at Cork Hall and for him to to be wrestling with, a, with like the second biggest promotion in Japan as far as I know you know so that, mm. that's a big thing for him and it's fair play to him you know what I mean he, he made it to Japan on his own right like I, I never counted that Fight Club Pro show at the start of the year as guys making it to Japan because <laughs> they're like booking themselves in a show in Japan you know what I mean but he can now say that he, he, he's been booked by a big company in Japan you know and that's, that's good luck to him fair play to him yeah, he's done it properly and yeah definitely uh, wish him yeah. well there and I definitely agree yeah for me New Japan was never going to be a fifth for Chris Brooks so it did surprise me how much speculation surrounded them going on there and yeah i think ddt suits mm-hmm. both his personality and his wrestling style so uh, i expect we'll uh, we'll see some fun things there um one other thing then we wanted to mention just before we uh, we get out of here just one last news story and to be honest it's quite a big one that uh, seems to be getting buried uh waw uh ricky knight uh pages family's uh promotion i've actually got a show uh, this sunday at Cara road in norwich um they're doing it at norwich football club stadium uh Cara road as we say and it's you know 
when we first uh, started hearing rumor of this show uh, i remember seeing like a, a seating layout and the rings kind of in the corner of the of the football stadium and it looked like you were going to only really going to have a corner of fans but uh, ben brit Away days has put together a really interesting twitter thread definitely follow him mm. Res, at brit Away day on on twitter if you don't already uh, talk, he has a little he's a little dig into the numbers of how this show is looking and it really is doing really well i mean i think they originally according to ben had three thousand five hundred tickets on sale uh, and only had you know odds and ends of seats available left and they've opened up another block for another 1024 people so chances are we could be on for you know a, a 4k plus attendance even 4500 and you know to put that in perspective you know ben did again did a really interesting twitter thread going through the similar promotions uh, similar numbers that promotions have done you know icw's fear and loathing in 2015 and 2017 to 4,000 people and we were all very impressed by that you know international showdown the wrestling channels events in the mid 2000s 2005 to 3,500 people you know progress at Wembley did 4,750 and people were doing somersaults over that I mean there's every chance that the the, you know that they could beat it um they're unlikely to beat uh, ICW in 2016 for fear and loathing did 6,200 people um and obviously you know if you go back years and years there's attendances with the with the likes of uh, Big Daddy uh, at a card at Wembley in 1980 doing above 5,000 match with Giant Haystacks in 81 doing 7,000 and a match with uh, Mighty John Quinn doing 10,000 as well but you know, in modern numbers and looking at, you know, the, the previous years of stuff, you know, WAW were well in the conversation uh, with with those maybe, you know, uh, promotions that podcasts like us are, are more likely to talk about. And yeah, I don't know what you put it down to, James. Did you put it down to the uh, the Fighting With My Family film coming out? Did you put it down to uh, Norwich City legend uh, <laughs> Grant Halter being the, the headline act here? If it, if it is him, he's, uh, he's turned into quite the wrestling draw. He's the biggest draw in the UK. Um, I I think it's probably a a combination of things. I I think the fact that it's in association with the football club is probably a very good thing. Like I I actually, I I was trying to see how, I was trying to look at the layout, the thing that Ben had done. um, And the only way you can buy tickets for it is through Norwich City's website. So it's very much kind of in cooperation with the football club. And I mean, when you think about it, if the football club are are promoting that in their match programs and that kind of thing, you know, it feels like a very big family show. You know what I mean? So, that's a great way of promoting it. Like you, you've got, I don't know how many go to Norwich City matches. They, they, they've been doing pretty well in the championship. So I would imagine they're getting 20,000 plus to their stadium. So, I mean, that's that's 20,000 people you can advertise directly to and appeal to as families. Um, tickets aren't that pricey. It's 15, 15 pounds for a stand ticket. So they're mm. not they're not pricing themselves out of the market. Um, definitely the Knight family being involved and the timing of it around the movie that was out there recently. I mean, that has to be a factor in it. Um, they've got Mick Foley. And I mean, people that's scoff good. at Mick Foley and it is big. I, I, like I remember OTT when they were doing the stadium shows initially, the first time OTT did a stadium show, they had the elite on it. Mm. And they saw like literally, they sold, I think 1500 seats the day it went on sale. So the elite were clearly the draw there. And the second time they went back to the stadium, they kind of had it, they had a strong card, but it was, it was just indie talents. Like it was your Jeff Cobbs, it was War Machine. There was nobody there who was a draw, but they put Mick Foley in as a spe- as, as the, I think he was the, the like the, the guest commissioner for the night and Foley was the draw and we were all worried thinking, God, like, will this show 
do well at all or are they going to lose money on us you know and Foley went on local media and he was on Irish radio the week of the show he, he recorded interviews and they nearly sold the stadium out again and it was literally on the back of Mick Foley's name so I like he, he's in this show he's the special referee for a steel cage match um and I, I think that the Grant Hall thing is probably a quirky thing that will get local interest. It's a nice thing to get in your local paper. You know what mm. I mean? And it's like I, I saw a BBC article about the show based on the fact that Grant Holt was on it. You know what I mean? So mm. it's just another way of getting publicity. You know what I mean? So it's a combination of things. But, but like, it's a phenomenal achievement. It's going to be one of the biggest drawing shows this decade run mm. by, a, by a UK company. And like that's that's incredible. Like, I kind of, I remember like you hearing about the show six months ago I'm kind of scoffing at it thinking God are they going to get 500 people in the corner of the stadium at this thing you know what I mean but mm. 3,000 plus and like God knows how many people will walk up and buy tickets on the day you know True. so yeah it's 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 a fair play to them you know yeah. and I'm actually looking the NWA heavyweight title is, is, is being defended Nick Aldis is there oh, the you've cost. got Billy Gunn mm. Rene Dupree you've got some eclectic names on there <laughs> and the rest are, but the rest are just local wrestlers you know so yeah. I mean it, it's a great achievement that you can't scoff at it like they're, they're gonna I think Ben had calculated they're gonna get something like 80,000 80,000 to 100,000 mm. on the night you know it's, it's 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 a big big operation oh, it's a big gate you know as big as uh, you know any we could probably think of um, you know maybe with the exception of progress on Wembley and you know Wembley's a very expensive place to rent out and you know, the Knights yeah. with their Norwich yeah. connections, you wonder, you know, uh, there could be a favour here. They could, you know, technically be yeah. profiting more than maybe any UK indie ever has. I mean, you mentioned the card there is worth just noting a couple of the, the, the things that are on there. Uh, Roy Knight and Ricky Knight Jr. have got a match. A big fan of Ricky Knight Jr. I saw him in PCW a couple of years ago. He's a great little flyer. That should be fun. Like you mentioned, Nick Aldous is defending the uh, title against Brad Slayer. Uh, Grant Holt is on the card in a six-man team <laughs> with Billy Gunn. And Rene Dupree, like Norwich football legend Grant Holt on a team with Billy Gunn and Rene Dupree uh, against Cos Industries. Uh, that's really interesting. Uh, you've obviously got the uh, Soraya's Sur- on there, Soraya Knight on there against Mercedes Martinez. Ricky Knight yeah, himself yeah. is on there against Dale Broughton. You've got to book the family. It's got to be on the cards. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. The one that's kind of brought back, got my attention is it is that, you know, the match with Mick Foley as special referee. Three-way match with Cody Hall, Harker Holly, and also boy Luke <laughs> I mean we started the show talking about mid 2000s Ring of Honor the only time I think I've ever, one of the few times well, I saw Alter boy Luke was in one of those scramble cages still around oh, on the Indies yeah. though was Luke Hawks um, what, a, what a weird and wonderful match um, yeah it's it, you know Sin Bodhi's on the card as well against Brody Steele yeah. uh, it's on, on the face of the it UK. UK Pitbulls on there. I mean, you throw the UK Pitbulls on, then it really does look like one of those old school British wrestling in lights posters. You know, yeah. a couple hundred people to your local community centre. But with those stars dotted in, and with obviously great local promotion and appealing to the families there, and obviously the film tie-in as well. Yeah, it definitely shouldn't be lost that uh, the Knight family have done a, a really incredible job with this thing. Yeah. So absolutely it. yeah so yeah if you are interested in going along as james said tickets uh, start from 15 pounds it is on there you go there's their full plug it's on uh, this sunday uh, the second so yeah if you're if you're in the area and you probably have to be with it being norwich uh, you can obviously go and uh, and check that out but yeah i'll be worth definitely waiting with bated breath to see uh, exactly how well they do yeah um, yeah before we go jamesy uh, anything you want to plug you mentioned doing your uh, wxw review earlier uh, anything else you want to mention 
No, that's about it. Follow me on Twitter at Jamesy underscore 2015. That's pretty much it this month, yeah. Awesome. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. Follow Martin at Bushby01. You can listen to my, my other podcast, Grapple Spotlight, where we are going a little bit more in depth on the best of the Super Juniors, uh, AEW, and kind of the world of wrestling. Myself, Joe, and JP. You can uh, check that out there. But yeah, we'll myself and James will be back with Martin in a couple of weeks talking all the best in the British and Irish wrestling scenes. So yeah, we'll see you in two weeks.